Ready for the interview And if you get a cue Live on the laptop Watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show Let them know we got a point of view Hey, yo Let's have a combo Say what you feel Be real, that's the motto Real talk, pronto Doctor D, PhD Hit the intro Hold up, wait Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals all right, Rich, you made it here into the network. Yep. And I've been looking forward to speaking with you. How are you doing today? I'm good, thanks. I've been looking forward to speaking with you too. So I really enjoyed the network and uh, meeting all the people on there. And yeah. uh, you were my first, you and I were the first contact. And then you hooked yeah. me up with everybody else. And we made this date to talk today. That's right. And, uh, I'm looking forward to it. And now you're just, you're on podcast, you're doing your thing and <laughs> yeah. talking about your story, which I think is incredible. And I, my hope is that it gives a lot of people hope. Thank especially you. in any field, but particularly musicians, which uh, feels like it's a huge passion for you. So tell me yes. how music started in your life. Yes. Uh, um, you know, going back to the beginning, let's, let's go back to when I was a little guy. And uh, I remember vague memories of myself watching my dad, music in the family. I think for a lot of musicians, it usually comes from parents or uncles or brothers or sisters. And my dad was a guitar player. And uh, he'd bring out the guitar at Christmas time and other family functions. And I was fascinated with it. I'd bring up my little Mickey Mouse toy guitar and I'd strum along next to him thinking I was pretty cool. And, but I remember watching him and thinking, this is the neatest thing ever. And Darian, it's interesting because it was about five or six years old. And I had my first inkling of what songwriting was about. And for me, I love music and I love guitar and I love singing, but songwriting is my real go-to like, wow. The first time I wrote a song, I had that epiphany. But I remember when I was five years old, sitting and watching my dad at the record player, he put a record on and he dropped the needle down and he'd listen to and he'd, he'd, he'd stop it and he'd work out chords and he'd write down some of his lyrics. And I sat as a five-year-old kid with the jaw drop, just fascinated with the process. Probably the only time I ever sat still in my entire childhood. <laughs> <laughs> I was absolutely fascinated. Little did I know, you know, I took up guitar at 10 years old. As soon as I, my hands were big enough to wrap around a guitar neck, okay. mom put me in lessons. So it was both mom and dad. And then at 14, I wrote my first song. And that's when I was absolutely hooked. What became a fun thing and sort of a hobby became this massive passion. So songwriting is what really took off for me at the age of 14. Wow. And uh, obviously, this has been a big roundabout story for yeah. you, right? Because yeah. it didn't just immediately go into music like you're doing no. today. No. What, what changed the trajectory? Well, it's, it's a great question. And I, I sort of, uh, I'll start with where I am now and then I'll sort of reverse engineer myself. Back. All right, all right. Okay. <laughs> but uh, a couple of years ago, I had two, about two and a half years ago, I had that epiphany, Darian, where, you, you know, I kind of looked in that metaphorical mirror that we always look at at times and say, what am I doing with my life? Where am I going? And I looked in the mirror and I said to myself, Rich, this has been a massive passion of yours ever since you're 14. Why aren't you doing this? Like really doing this? And I looked at myself hard in the mirror and I did not have an answer to that question. Mm. So I decided right then and then I'm going to do this. So if I go back, let's go back when I was 14, I wrote my first song. And, um, and then I joined a high school band and we played uh, local dances and everything else that high school bands do and parties and things and at the school. And we had a fair amount of success. And, and you know, at, when I graduated high school, barely graduated high school, <laughs> uh, barely, because I was going to be barely. a lot barely I was going to be a rock and roll star right and, you know I had those dreams and they were somewhat misguided like a lot of 17 inch year old dreams are and I spent a year playing some cheesy dives um 
not doing much of anything, realizing I was going nowhere. And I did one of the smartest things I've ever done. And that's I went back to school. And I, I worked towards a start on music and I worked, worked towards English literature and I got a bachelor's degree. And later on, I got a master's degree. And a couple of years ago, I was actually toying with a PhD. So here's a guy who barely passed high school, <laughs> was actually on the verge of going into working for a, my doctorate degree. So uh, to me, education is huge. I, 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 it's one of the best moves I've ever done uh, was, was getting myself educated. And it helped in so many ways, not just in music, but in personal life, my, my communication abilities, my perspective, my ability to question things. And, and so I'm a huge advocate of education. I actually work in education field. I know you did for a while too, which is pretty I did, cool. yes. Yeah. Uh, I was an academic advisor for many years, helping out students. And I work at a local university here in Vancouver. That's my day job. And, uh, you know, through it all in my 20s, when I was getting my degrees, I got married, had kids. I played in a band for about 15 years. So we, we played uh, fairly seriously, made a, a, I made a Christmas CD in the late 90s. Um, so I was always sort of kept my hands really in it. And uh, uh, the Christmas CD did quite well. This is prior to iTunes and everything else. And I had one cover song on there that, that really sort of uh, took off a little bit. And then so a couple of years ago, when I finally decided I'm going to get back into this, I thought I'll take that one Christmas song that did well, really make a whole new CD around it and start with Christmas music, which was two and a half years ago. And then uh, from there, uh, um, we we're in the middle of the pandemic. And oddly enough, I'd written a song, this was uh, 2021 or 2020, between Christmas and New Year's, written a song called I'm So Tired. And then January 6, 2021 hit. And like most people, I sat with my jaw dropped right. watching what was going on Capitol Hill saying, how the hell could this be happening in our own backyard? Um, and I realized I'd written a song three or four days prior called I'm So Tired. And I don't know if I was being a, a philosophical prophetic or something, but it seemed to really coincide with what was happening January 6th. So then I put together a social media video, basically taking clips of social media, all the protests and everything that's happening and putting it back into my song, I'm So Tired. I'm actually proud to say that video has won me like about 50 different awards at film wow. festivals and everything else. So I'm really, really proud of that video because it's very so st stark social commentary. And then from there, I thought, I, I sort of realized, wow, you know, I've got something. I'm going to keep releasing my original music and, and go for it. And that's now two and a half years later, I'm starting to build a big following. And I joke, Derry, because I often say that my midlife crisis was not, getting a young girlfriend and buying a convertible. <laughs> it was buying a guitar and recording music. <laughs> so, you know, I, 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 and it's funny because, and I've had many people over the last two years message me on Facebook, Instagram, and they, they say I'm inspirational. And I never even yeah. thought of that before, huh. but you know, I, I'm really proud of that. And I think for a lot of people, you know, I'm at an age where most people are starting to plan for their retirement. Yeah. And I'm saying, you know, not that I'm, I'm still being fiscally responsible. Right. I'm like, holy cow, just because I'm hit middle age doesn't mean I, I'm on the downward slide. I want yeah. to go up still. So that's <laughs> what I'm, I'm going upward still. So during this uh, large break in music, how was music still relevant to you during your life uh, before you got back into it? Yeah, I mean, it always was, it was always there. There's no question. It was always there. And I found I was always uh, writing and uh, recording, recording, not seriously, but semi-recording yeah. myself. And I played in a band and, and we played uh, semi-seriously. You know, we, we still rehearsed once a week. It was kind of more of a fun thing with, with a group of good friends. And so music was always in my life. And I found that through many things, 
like most artists will tell you, whether it be a musician or writer or, or a painter or a photographer, you know, you hit those moments in your life. Like my mother died quite unexpectedly when I was, you know, late twenties. And how did I, how did I resolve that or come to terms with it? Turn to music. Yeah. You know, if, you know, when my children were born, how did I celebrate it? I turned to music and all these. And I realized that every moment in my life that meant something to me, I was responding with a, a song or writing music or doing music. And I sort of got to the point when my kids got older and I, you know, I was at this point in my life, the midlife crisis, I, I say that with quotes. Yeah. But, uh, and I decided, you know, it's time to really, really give this. It's time now to, 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 to push this to the, to the maximum, to its ability. And along, it's one of the best things I've ever done in my life. It was such a, a huge decision. I'm so glad I did it. I, I, every day I get up and I'm excited. What's next? I got a, a plan and my plan has been constantly changing like most plans do. I mean, yeah, of course. But, uh, it's, it's, been an, it's been an amazing ride and, and I'm, I'm meeting people from all over the world. I've, I've got Google Translator out that's helping me with Portuguese and Spanish and everything right, else, right. but it's absolutely amazing. I, I'm having the time of my life right now. So tell me a little bit about how the 14 year old writing songs, Rich is different from the, Mid, middle-aged yeah. <laughs> rich <laughs> writing songs and how has the industry changed during that time for you that's a great question um a lot of my music when i was first writing music in my teens was 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 very optimistic somewhat mm. naive but mm. at the same token optimistic naivety can sometimes be very enlightening and very refreshing mm. um and but i didn't have a lot of perspective to it as I, as I started getting older, my music became a lot more personal and became a lot more diving in. And what's interesting, Darian, is, is, is you go full circle in life. Life is so cyclical in many ways. In the last few years, I've actually dug out some of the songs I wrote in my teens and recycled them. And, I, and a couple of them, I'm actually, I thought, okay, these are pretty good songs. I'm going to record them and release them. And I thought, but I wrote them when I was 17. I can write better <laughs> lyrics now. So I, a couple of them, I actually dove in and stopped about two hours into the, the process and realized, no, when I was 17, it captured a certain essence at 17 that coincided well with the music, the innocence of it all. And I left them. So I'm recording songs that, I, I mean, I'm recording my next release is going to be a song right over when I was 20 years old. And yeah. I haven't changed lyrics. They're exactly how they were when I was 20 years old. And because it's a snapshot of <laughs> that wild, time in my man. life and where I was at. <laughs> and it's very cool. So as I got older, though, the, the, the themes got a lot more complex. And um, but I've also realized, like I said, coming full circle at this age now, I realize that sometimes that simple naivety or simple beat or simple rhythm or simple message is all you want to hear. You know, yeah. I, I think of something really basic, a catchy song. It's a very summer song from 1969, the Archies. There's absolutely nothing to the song other than it makes you feel good. And right. what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. No. <laughs> so I've got other songs that are a lot more uh, deeper. And I, I got uh, songs I've written recently uh, are talking about. Um, I have one song about a single parent mother that's struggling to make ends meet coming from an abusive home. And, you know, so I, I juxtapose some of these simple f fun themes along with some themes that are a lot more serious in nature. And I love that being able to do that. Yeah. So why do you think, you know, as people, we start giving up on maybe these passions, dreams we have when we get older, like that's, what's great about your story is you're like ramping up at a yeah. time when I think sometimes society says, well, you should, you know, that was a different time in yeah. life. What do you think stops us from doing what you're doing? 
Um, I think we buy in to the societal uh, sort of perspective. I mean, to give you an idea, in the music industry, there's a sort of unwritten law, unwritten rule, whatever you want to call it, that says if you haven't made it by 35, you're not going to make it, so don't bother. Right. And, you know, a lot of musicians are hearing this, me say this right now going, yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. And I think that's absolute BS. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I don't know what started this. I think we're such <laughs> where a, does that I, come from? Like, like, we're such a youth-driven culture. Yeah. Uh, and why does that have to be? I mean, to give you an idea, uh, um, you know, I've found, I remember being out with friends one day, and this is a couple of years back, and we were driving somewhere, and there's this guy, he was a gray-haired guy, and he had his music cranked to Led Zeppelin, he's rocking in his car, and everybody kind of laughed. I said, wait a second. When Led Zeppelin came out, he was 20 years old. Right. Now he's 70, and he still likes rock and roll. What's wrong with that? It's <laughs> <That's> great. <laughs> you know? So I, I think that there's something about this, this, this youth culture that if you don't do it when you're young, you're not going to do it. And one of my favorite authors, Hemingway, Ernest Hemingway said, uh, youth is wasted on the young. Right. <laughs> I, get, I often get a kick out of that quote. Um, but it doesn't have to be that way. Uh, I also think people get locked up in excuses. Uh, um, I, I, there's a big differentiation between excuses and reasons. A reason to not, for instance, uh, if, so, if I said I'm going to play M pro NBA basketball, well, there's many reasons why that's not going to happen. Sure. But if I said to myself, I'm going to write a Pulitzer Prize novel, what are the reasons behind me not being able to do it? Right. It's excuses. Okay, maybe I need some more literature training. I can go to school and get that. Maybe I can work with a mentor. There's nothing to stop me from being able to do that. And it go, it, it, it permeates down through every facet of our life. I mean, right down to the, oh, well, I can't work out because, you know, I got to pick up my son from school right. or, or, you know, my knee's hurting today. And, you know, those are excuses. Get a knee brace, work on rehab, get somebody yeah. else to, or, these are just examples. But I think we get caught up too much. And I think as we get older, it becomes too easy to subscribe to those excuses. And, and it's a shame because, I, you know, I think people need to look in the mirror and say, so what? I'm 60 years old or I'm 40 years old. Doesn't mean I still can't do this. Right. Why not? Yeah. And there's, all these, there's all these kind of self-prescribed barriers or societal yes. barriers that sometimes we don't even question whether they're real or not. Yep. We just go along kind of the sheepish mentality. Yeah, with it. And obviously the, the, the NBA example is a good one, right? Because there's like a definite like, hey, yes, yes, we understand that's I'm too old. I'm, I'm, I'm too not short. <laughs> right. There's there's yeah. metrics that make sense. Yeah. You know? But and yeah. like music, like what's to say someone who's 70 can't write a hit song, you know what I mean? Like or make something amazing. Like Absolutely. what is that? It doesn't really matter. You know, Absolutely. like why can't you write that novel when you're 80? You know, why right. can't you, you get back into fitness when you're 75? It's exactly right. Man. There's all kinds of things. You know, if you if you love to cook, why not take a cooking class at 55? Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, my brother-in-law, I really respect his. He was he was um, in somewhat of a corporate job and it was burning him out. And in his mid to late 40s, he went back to school to become a high school teacher. Wow. He loves, he loves what he does. That's I amazing. Mean, all the power to him, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's the sort of stuff that makes a difference. I mean, you have to look in the mirror and say, you know, and I used to do this as a, a student advisor when I advise kids all the time, they're starting their academic careers and they would come in and say, oh, Rich, I want to be this and be that yeah. and be, be a lawyer, be a doctor. And, and I said, no, don't do that. I said, don't let the career define you. You define what you do. Yeah. Don't let a, something else define you. And, and I get it because, you know, from a young age, kids are coming up. I have to be something. I have to That's be a societal something. pressure yeah. to be something. 
And I used to outright tell a 19 year old come sitting in my office looking for advice on what to do for their career. I said, you already are something you're you. Yeah. You don't have to be anybody other than you. <laughs> right. What you want to do is a whole different ballgame. Yeah. And, uh, I always pursued kids if their passion was drama, if their passion was English, if their passion was engineering, go for it. They say, what about the jobs, Rich? There's not a lot of jobs in this yeah. field. And I say, well, okay. If you're getting a drama, your job selection is less. Right. But the jobs are still there. And if you have a passion for it, I'd, and I'd always pose a different question. I say, okay, you could get into law. Say you, you work hard to be a lawyer. And you get in, you're making a six-figure salary. You absolutely hate your job. Right. Or you can love your job, make an average salary, and, and love what you do every day. What would you rather choose? Every single student I asked that question to said, I'll choose what I love to do. Exactly. So how, how come when we're 19 years old, we get it, yet when we're 40 or 50 or 60, we've lost sight of that? Yeah. And that's what I hope that, you know, my story can inspire people to say, you know, don't lose sight of that stuff that you love to do. Just because you're you're not 20 years old anymore doesn't mean you still can't do what you love to do. Now, what do you what do you think kind of about the external factors of other people in your life playing a role in you starting something at a later age? Like, for instance, for you, has everybody been pretty positive about you really launching into this in your life? Very positive. I mean, some people have been surprised. It's caught them off guard. Um, but generally speaking, those around me have been extremely positive. And the network of friends I have, I mean, that's where the social media is great. Because, I mean, yeah. on Facebook, I've connected with friends, old friends from high school that I probably wouldn't see otherwise or contact otherwise. And these people have been nothing but supportive. On those days where you're kind of going, oh, it's not going anywhere. You get yeah. a message from an old friend who says, I really love what you just said on that post. Or I love the song yeah. you did. You know, way to go. And you kind of go, yeah, this is this is it. So I think in any successful venture, supportive you need supportive friends and family. There's no question. Yeah, and either, they don't have to necessarily agree with it. Like when I started, <laughs> I had a few people going, what are you doing? But hey, I support it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll support you, but I'm not sure about this. Right. <laughs> exactly. Because, and that's, it's, it's, it's frustrating. It's great on one hand because they were supportive, but I think the fact that they couldn't see it was also indicative of where a lot of people hit their stumbling blocks hmm. just because you can't practically see it doesn't mean it's not possible. Yeah. Sometimes you have to peel back the layers to realize this is possible. Uh, or, you know, I often I often say to people when, when posed with a problem, and most people, un unfortunately, tend to, when they're posed with a situation or a dilemma or a roadblock or something, they tend to look at all the reasons why it can't happen. Right. Well, when, when you have an issue that's in front of you, look at all the reasons how it can happen first. And then find a way to, 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 to use that to get over the roadblocks. I think as a whole, we tend to, to, to look at it's, it comes back to the, it's easy to, to break down that it is a lot easier to break something down than it is to build it up. Right. And I think we fall into those traps sometimes. Yeah. I, th I think it's, it's so common and it, it shows the power of like words with people. Like if a lot of people were negative mm -hmm. to you about this, I mean, maybe you have the fortitude and you're like, whatever, I'm going to do it. But there's <laughs> so many people who don't have that and the right or wrong people saying you shouldn't be doing this. And I've then are negative, it could just it could just really crush a person, you know, especially if they they hold that person up to a high esteem and they're yeah. being negative. It just really hurts a lot. You know, it's really tough because one of the things about when you put yourself out there, I yeah. mean, it's 
the family and friends circle is really is most people's family and friends are quite supportive and i feel right. very bad for those who do not have supportive family right. and friends exactly. that's, that's a tough starting point period you can still overcome it though um because one of the when you put yourself out there you got to be prepared to hear no you got to be prepared to hear you ain't got it kid or yeah. hear those rejections i've had many times over the years i've had people tell me trying politely and some very rudely that i should right. not be singing i should quit i don't oh. sound good i should give it up um, you're not going to go anywhere. A high school counselor told me I should not take music because it's not going to pay anywhere thing and I should quit. 17-year-old kid, this is my dream and passion. Right. I had a counselor telling me I shouldn't do it. That to me was <laughs> terrible. Worst wow. advice ever. So, but those people are out there and not to knock them because, yeah. uh, you know, statistics say if you're, if you're, if you think pragmatically only, then you're going to say, well, X amount of careers, there's more available. These careers, there's not many available. You shouldn't go into that because that's say you won't get, that's a pragmatic yeah. thinking, but that's not taking into account the human factor. Um, passions and dreams are, should never be squashed or, or, or taken back. They should be supported, encouraged. And because we need a bit of every, everybody has to do everything. You know, it, yeah. if, if, if it was all about the dollar value, if it was all about money only, we'd have a world full of pro athletes, actors, and lawyers, you know? <laughs> exactly. but it's not about just yeah. money. Um, yeah. And also too, I think that like, and say people are looking at like, well, the only certain amount of people that make it, or you're talking yeah. about, they're trying to give you like the Zenith yes. of, of whatever, like, like there's no other middle ground. Yes. Like other things don't exist. There's plenty of musicians who are working full time and no one knows about them. Exactly. Like no one. They're not exactly. huge. And I think we're it's like the counselor. They just may not have the information to know that they That's only see that point. this person is all over TV and they've made it. Is that going to be you? Probably not. And then they just try to get rid of it yep. in your life. There's other avenues other within that. You, you know? make an absolutely brilliant point, Darian. And I think and it's a tough thing for kids starting out uh, to give you right. an example. I mean, I work at a university. And I work, I'm a writer editor for academic plans. I won't go into detail, but I'm not a professor. When I tell people I work in university, the first thing is say, oh, you're a professor. Right. I say no. And, and literally we have, we have 1,200 professors employed and 2,600 support staff. <laughs> so, I mean, people, you know, but people think university professor. That's all there is. That all, that's all that works there. That's right. Or there's a bank. All that works there is bankers. You know, I mean, <laughs> the hospital, all that works there is doctors and nurses. Right. <laughs> you know, there's so many different career levels of any sort of, and you're absolutely right. If you have a passion for music, a passion for acting or whatever the case may be, there's so many different levels and layers yes. where you could pursue your passions. It doesn't have to be that one pinnacle. Law is another perfect example. There's so many other than just lawyers. Right. When people think of lawyers, they think of criminal lawyers. Like the trial the, lawyer, right? Yeah, That's like the, the, the biggest thing, right? It's a tiny percentage. There. Yes. Like, Yes, I have a good friend who's been practicing law for 25 years. He's never been in a courtroom. <laughs> <You know>? Exactly. <laughs> and most people go, what do you mean? How can he be a lawyer? I mean, it's because there's so many different levels of so many yeah. different types of careers. So I, I, I always, when I was uh, taught, advi advising young kids, I would always say, pursue your passions. And so finally, you know, in my middle age, I looked at the mirror and I took my own advice. <laughs> took your own so advice. <laughs> Man, that's, that's just so amazing. Get here, but... Yeah. I mean, I think when you're really young, you don't envision things taking so long. No. You're like, oh, and, and especially in today's society, because 
you, you see everybody wants the quick fix. Not like that hasn't been a thing in the past that people mm -hmm. want, but like I think the social media and the projection that everything happens quickly. Yes. Pulls young people into this false sense of accomplishment. Yes. Like, no, no, you still have to work really hard. And by the way, a lot of this may not even be real. Yeah. Like it may not even be true. So in many ways, it could be even more difficult for people at this age, you know, being younger now. In some ways, I feel sorry for them. Uh, yeah, um, because there, there's so much expectation and so much what falsities put up on on social media. Yeah. It's, a, it's a dangerous uh, uh, marketplace. I mean, my my kids are at that age where they're impressionable age in their teens. And, and you know, I encourage them to talk with me all the time and, and, and talk with myself and their mom. And let's you know, what do you what are you what are you facing? What are you looking at? And um, I don't know, I, I have this, I have this poster I, I keep up on my walls, Charles Dickens, and uh, I really love it. And I forget the exact quote, but he says along the lines, and it's quite a prophetic quote, because it's around the, the advent of the telegraph. And his quote is, um, electronic communication will never take the place of face-to-face -face interaction right. where you can bear the human soul. And this is 1850-something, right. Charles Dickens is saying that. And holy cow, that's relevant 170 years later. That is so relevant. And that's what worries me a little bit about social media is that, I mean, and to give you an idea of Darian, and now that I'm sort of out there, my music's out there, I get people every now and again anonymous, all these swear words like sure. you are F and this and F and that. Yeah. Why are you bothering? And I'm thinking, how, why could you get that person who told me that face to face? No, not a no, chance, not a chance. They're bold. So on the internet, they can easily say your music sucks. I hate yeah. you. I don't like what you're doing. That's that worries me. Uh, yeah, me too. And I, you know, the, the flip side to those, there also is a positive to it because I've also got many messages from people who are somewhat shy and reserved and they're able to say, I love what you're doing. You've encouraged me and inspired me. So I guess there's a flip side to it too. Hopefully we can get more of that happening. I know it's weird. It's, um, this an anonymity in many yes. ways pulls out a weird yes. uh, part of people and but it also pulls a good part so it's like how yeah. much is what's the scale exactly you know, are they what's yeah. publicized is a lot of the negative but there's a lot of good happening yeah and i tend i mean right there i almost did it. i almost started talking about just the negative of yeah the but there is a positive side to it too yeah um there's no question i mean it's a huge yeah exactly and Often, like I was reading this book, it's called, I think it's called Hate. And it's basically about this journalist who received all this, these trolls on Twitter, whatever. Yep. And so she did this experiment where she would end up finding out their phone number and all this information. She would call the trolls. Oh, no way. She called them. <laughs> and it was mind blowing when she said, Oh, this is so and so. And you wrote this about me. Yep. And when she confronted them, their reasons for saying these things were, I'm bored and I didn't think you would see it. Wow. Interesting. That's crazy, right? Like, yeah, they're just like, they don't think that their words mattered at all. Which is kind of sad. Actually. That's sad, right? That's yeah. kind of weird. Like, and that they were bored, like they had nothing else to do. So ripping another person was yeah. just like a game. It was something to do. But how do we, as a society, how do we change? Because it's not the first time I've heard similarities, similar yeah. things to that. How do you change that boredom yeah. and turn it into a positive? Is it turned to a negative reaction? Because there are a lot of people that do get bored. And like I said earlier, it's easy some way. It's easier yeah. to cut down than it is to build up. Like yeah. we shift to a, 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 a more positive side of things. 
I think you have to make it harder for people to want to have that feeling like because it's just the entry. It's so easy to just type something without any any barriers when because the human mind is very simple in many ways, too, is that if you give too many barriers to something, people just won't do it. They'll be like, I want the path of least resistance. So if it's too hard to tweet something, they just won't do it. (laughs) <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's, it happens with yeah. people. It's like buying convenience, right? Yeah. It's the, it's the branding people say, Oh, one click buying. Of course you're going to one click buy. It's easy. Yeah. It's but easy. if you have to go through 10 pages to buy something, you'll go, Oh, maybe I'll look at this later. You know? Yeah. So if maybe it doesn't have to be super stringent, but like if you create enough of a, a barrier on some level, yeah. I don't know what that is. You're going to probably it's going to be harder. You're going to get people who are going to be like, all right, I have to actually invest in this. So I'm going to be a little more thoughtful yeah. about it. Like if Twitter costs, let's put it there. OK, here's an experiment. If it costs you a dollar to do every tweet that you did, yeah. you might have a different idea about the things that you tweeted you yeah. know, before that. Right. If it costs yeah. you something, you may have a very different attitude. <laughs> about the things you wouldn't be so flippant maybe i don't know it's just an example but you know it's interesting Darren. and it's too bad that we put costs in only monetary uh situations right because what about the cost to your integrity i agree that should mean something and i, I think I totally some agree. people get lost on this um, i feel simple to me but i feel like it's a difficult concept for people yeah like i mean and lots of ways too we are at the infancy uh the social media in the last 20 years this millennial is really uh, uh, we're all of us are heading into new waters yes. and we don't really know what to do with this yet. Yeah. Like and the growing pains are huge. And, the, and what's scary <laughs> too, is the technology is exponentially growing. So just when we've sort of felt we've like, we've caught up whole pile of new things have just come our way. Yes. Um, so it's a fast moving technological society and how are we socially responding to it? Um, some ways, not so great in some ways. Good. Uh, yeah, no, it's true. I want to dive a little bit into your process of making music and and how that has changed from, I'm going to go back again from the 17 year old you to you now what's changed and how you make music. Um, That's a great question. Let's think about that for a second. Um, A lot of the foundations are still the same. Okay. Um, the, The simple foundation is I usually get inspired by something whether it be uh, uh, it's a sunny day, something as simple as that, I'm feeling good, or maybe I'm feeling bad, or maybe there was a breakup, or you know, I watched an impactful movie or something, or I, I met somebody. And it, and it usually starts with a, a mood on the guitar, sometimes piano, but mostly guitar. And um, from there, I will create a melody and some chord structures and then put words to it afterwards. Um, and that was the process started when I was 17, and that hasn't changed. Mm. What has changed is what sort of happens in between and what, how I can push myself into processes. For instance, at 17, I never had the wherewithal to think, you know, here's an important social issue. I should really try and voice something about that. I would never think that at 17. It's all about, I mean, it's, everything's ego-driven. It's all me, 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 me when you're 17. And so it was just things that happened in my world. And I had a hard time seeing beyond the scope of the self. Everything's egocentric at 17. And as as I got older and older, I realized, you know, you go through things in life. For instance, when my mother died in the late 20s, the amount of people that said, I I feel your pain. I've been there. And I had a big eye opener. It was a huge moment for me. And I realized, hey, 
everybody goes through things. Everybody loses loved ones. Everyone goes through heartbreak and, uh, and all the, the positives like births and, and weddings and things like that. Everybody experiences this. So I became sort of more global in my perspective and the way I looked at songwriting. So when I craft a song now, I can literally sit down and project myself into a situation that mm. I couldn't do when I was 17. At 17, I couldn't have written about a single mother struggling no. with her kid at <laughs> no. this age not that i'm a single mother struggling with a kid but right. I put myself into the, her shoes and try and understand what she's been going through to write a song that i think has a lot more social backdrop and meaning to it so so on one hand the foundations are the same but the subject matter i tackle is much more usually much more mature now and, and much more uh, um socially conscious is what i'm trying to yeah. get at and and I'm very proud of some of these songs because I, I'm hoping along the way that I can write songs that will make a difference for people or help help them understand situations or help them get through situations. Because I think of myself and Darren, I'm sure you and everybody has moments in their life where a song made a difference. Yeah. You had a breakup and certain song made a for difference. Sure. I mean, weddings, look how important it is for people to get the right wedding song <laughs> or the true. right song at a funeral service. Yes. All these, because music is so impactful in our lives and it becomes often becomes a backdrop to a moment or a feeling that we've experienced. And so my hope is that my songwriting now can actually become backdrops for people and actually moments that'll help them through something or help them celebrate something. It makes, you're right. It made me think about like, if I'm watching I'm streaming a show and I like the intro song. Yeah. Like the feeling they want you to, to evoke about the show. Yes. Heavily based off of that song and sure. the theme, the feeling, you know, if it's like a kind of a supernatural show or if it's like really hardcore, like drama. Yep. You're trying to build that with the song and yes. obviously like the soundtrack, right? This, if you watch, oh. if you ever watch a movie without music, like it's just a weird that. experience, actually. Now, think <laughs> it makes of this, no Darren, sense to me. Here's the perfect example. Would that shark be as nearly as scary if you didn't have John Williams theme? Dude, right. And John yeah. going behind you. All you dun, see dun, is ocean. Dun, dun, see dun. water. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> see, all you see is water, but you hear that music and the fin comes up and you're scared to death at that point because right. <laughs> of the music. You know, right. The score of Vader, a movie is huge. Yes, like Darth Vader being so impactful if he didn't have that theme every time he walked onto the screen. Oh my you know? gosh. Right. And on and on it goes. On and on it goes with that. Now, Michael, you don't when think you're about making music, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like it's just like just right. Yes. And it just it creates that also evokes like maybe you're scared. Maybe it's funny. You know, it's like Exactly. Whatever. You know, it's exactly all these things. Now, but when you are making music, though, do you know when it's like really good? Like, do you like you're like, oh, this is going to be amazing. Yes. Or do you not? You're not yes. sure. Yes. No. You know, I have it's that's when the imposter syndrome creeps into my, mm. my process. And I every now and then I write something. I think you didn't just write that. That's way too good for you <laughs> to have written that. <laughs> if I have an imposter syndrome moment, I know I've written something really good. <laughs> and ah. I think as artists, I think people often mistake conceit, humility. Uh, you know, they get those mixed up because humility is a good thing. Conceit isn't. Yeah. And, you know, it's to, to be humble and have that humility to be able to say this isn't good or this is good is important for individuals. So I often tell people embrace, if you feel you've done something good, embrace it and say to yourself, you have done well. Yeah. It uh, doesn't mean you're being conceited. Right. So it's important to, but at the same time, you gotta be honest. Yeah. I mean, I've had songs where I don't pursue them. I think, oh, Rich, that's crap. Boom, yeah. out it goes and I leave it and move on to the next yeah. one. Yeah. 
you got to be honest with yourself. That's true. I mean, have you ever had something that you really didn't like, but a lot of other people did? Um, not so far. No, uh, not because most of the, because in the last two years, Darian, I've had to really be concise with the songs I put out. I see. Because I'm on, I, I'm on a fixed budget and I can't just put out everything. I got to really choose. And my yeah. catalog now is actually huge because I've got 30 years of songwriting behind me. It's growing right. exponentially lately. So I, thankfully I got a lot of things to choose from. But I will say that I've, I've, in the last two years, I've released, I wrote, I released one song called I Wonder, which I thought was pretty benign and meaning, but I've had many people say that resonated with me. And mm. I thought, all right, as an artist, yeah. that's so cool because I didn't think I was putting a lot into the, other than mm. it was a catchy song. Yeah. And I had people tell me that what you wrote made a difference. I, I get it. And it makes sense to me. And I think for any artists, you've done something really well when you've actually created something where others are pulling stuff out yeah. of it that you didn't even intend in the first place. It means that you're working on multiple layers, which is really cool. Yeah. Now, when you're making music, do you have to like set a mood or anything, or do you have like, I don't know, sometimes people have certain rituals or things that yep. they do is what's your process with I'm that? Extremely. I feel extremely fortunate because I can sit down and write on a dime. Oh, wow. I feel so lucky. Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. That's awesome, man. I can write on a dime. And I, it comes with, it, you know, to give you an idea, I've also, I've got one novel under my belt. I'm working on a second novel, and uh, which I'm super proud of. It was something on a bucket yeah, list I always awesome. had. But my first novel I wrote on my lunch hours at work. And I just decided one day I was sitting there with my sandwich and I had 30 minutes to kill. And I pulled out a pen and paper, old school. And I thought, I gotta start writing. Yeah. And every lunch hour, I'd sit down and however I felt it didn't matter because here's my time to do it. So I'm going to do it. Um, having said that, there's still moments where if I'm feeling really sad or melancholy, or really happy, then the moods sort of, it's almost propels me. I'm almost sort of have yeah. to go to the guitar and write. But if I decide many times I sat and I thought, ah, this is kind of a cool subject matter. I'm going to write something and I do it. Right. <laughs> I feel so lucky to be able to, because I've heard Man. many artists struggle with this. They have to yes. have mood just so and just right. And lighting candles and stuff, man. I'm yes. telling you, I've talked to so many artists through this podcast. It's, it's, you know, everybody has different ways that they yep. create. Yep. Uh, it's, it's art. I feel it's, it's art. You know, there's so many things that are art, but how you do it. I think I see, I asked you that question about the, did you make something that you didn't like, but other people did it. Cause I've heard that as a common thing. Yeah. Like they'll think that song's bad. And, but like people love it. And I'm like, what's the I've disconnect that with that? You I know, haven't like, got there yet. I haven't got there yet. Cause I, most of my stuff is kind of like my, my little baby. And if I personally yeah. don't like it, I'm not going to pursue it. You just don't even put it there. You just don't even like, put it there. I've got many things, many ideas and this, ah, this doesn't have it rich. Leave it. And, yeah. I, and maybe uh, maybe I'm fortunate enough. I don't know, but maybe I'm fortunate enough to be able to recognize when I'm writing a hit song or a good song. Or yeah, uh, I hope I can, can. I mean, and so far, everything I've released, I've gotten a lot of I've got eight songs out now on a full Christmas album, which is yeah. with a few originals. And so far, everybody's coming back with, hey, I really love what you're doing. I haven't had one song that's kind of bombed on me, so to speak. Wow. I'm sure it'll happen at some point. Look at you, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that is pretty cool. I, I'm mean, free, I feel pretty fortunate. I, I you yeah. know, I'm, it's it the imposter like, syndrome sneaks in at times, of course. It sounds like you really maybe and maybe that I'm just postulating here. Maybe that's part of being older and doing music Could as be. well. Maybe, yeah. maybe I have no clue. I'm just throwing it out there. Maybe you're because you have more experience, more life experience. Yep. Maybe you're more in tune to yourself. You know who you are. 
you have a better sense. Like when you're young, you do a lot of dumb stuff. You know, yeah. I was like, <laughs> yeah. you may think this is an amazing song, but just like actually kind of dumb, you know, like, I don't know. It's just, it's just an idea. You know? Actually, you could be onto something there and you, you really seriously could because every now and then I'll revisit my old material. And there's songs when I was 19, 20, I thought were brilliant. And I listened to the, what I put down on cassette at that time. Yeah. Like, God, Rich, that's garbage. Yeah. At 19, I might've really pursued that song. Yes. That's what I mean. Yeah. 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 Right. But at my might... age now, I'm like, no, it, it, now I have enough sense to actually say, you know, at 19, that you're so self ego driven. You think right. everything you do is great. Everything is <laughs> like a mate. Yes. You're like the center of this of the universe. Yes. The planets all align around you. <laughs> you can do nothing wrong. And you also think you're super intelligent. You yes. think you're the oh. most intelligent person. Oh, but that's that's normal. That's it's part very of, normal. That's part of maturing and growing up. Right. So, so your point, I never thought of it, Darian. It's an excellent point. You're probably onto something. I think I think about it this way, like. If you've done something for a long time, whether you're like huge at it or not, you're just doing something for 20, 30 years. Yeah. Shouldn't you be pretty wise to it at that point? Like <laughs> think you so. would think like <laughs> you have, you know, the nuances. Yes. You understand the process. It's almost kind of like if a person retires at something, they often maybe might be retiring at the peak of their powers. Because everything yes. has slowed down at that point. You've done it so many times. Yes. Yeah. So maybe writing a bad song is hard for you because you have done <laughs> you've done it like you, you know, kind of like the yeah. feeling, the sense when you're 17. How do you know? I mean, you've barely been alive. I mean, you don't, like, you don't but you think you have. You think you, you definitely think you've been alive a long time. <laughs> Feels like forever. And then you get knocked out a few pegs, which is all part of the growing process. It's all part of the process. Yeah. And just yeah. you learn from it. I mean. Over the years, the amount of times I've heard the Ain't Got It Kid, uh, and they've been great experiences. Because yeah. um, along the way also, and this is crucial, I, I often get people asking you, how, what's advice to young musicians? And this advice uh, spans the globe of any industry or whatever, any endeavor. And when you get that criticism, it's really important to sort of differentiate between the criticism and the just the crappy, forget it, who cares yeah. what they said scenario. Because I had people, oh, you, you sound like crap. You should give it up. I have other people say, well, Rich, you know, you're a little weak on this. If you tried to do this, this, and this, it would really help this part of whatever you're doing, which is really good. Listen to those people. Yeah. They're trying to help you. <laughs> and, but if you're so ego driven that, ah, oh, they know nothing. And you do that with everybody. You're never going to learn from those who are actually trying to help you. Yeah. And along the way, I've had many people suggest things that I've listened to and holy cow, they were right. When I put into practice what they said to me, suddenly I'm a better singer. Suddenly I'm a better guitar player. Suddenly I'm a better person, you know, on and on. I yes. Wow. That's amazing. I see. I love when like things transcend music and all these that they make, make you better in a lot of areas in yes. your life. Yes. It's not, not just, just about music. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. It just bleeds into all these different things. Which I think is important. So where are you, where are you headed with this now? Now we're into present rich. <laughs> Where is this going as we're oh, waiting? I, I am so excited. It's all sc it's scary, too. I'll be honest. It's mm -hmm. scary. Uh, at the same time, it's super exciting. But sometimes uh, um, what is a little bit scary is what, you know, uh, often people say, how can you perform or how can you do public speaking? That scares me to death. I say, yeah, but the scariness is fun. Yeah. <laughs> if you yeah. embrace it as fun, that little bit of nervousness right. is fun. That's what makes life worth living. Stuff that, you know, gets you a little bit nervous. That first date, uh, you know, the first time you start yes. a new job, that's a promotion. You're scared. 
but you do it because you know you're working towards something better or something more exciting. So that's how I am right now. I'm I'm a little scared, but at the same time, super, super excited with what I'm doing. And I've got I've got one song I just released a couple of weeks ago. And and in the last six months, I've had a huge uptake in Mexico of all places. Uh, I, I released a Beatles cover song in March of this year. And all of a sudden I look on my Spotify and YouTube analytics, which are great because they tell you who's listening, right, what, exactly. what part of the world they're coming from. Also, I see this big uptake in Mexico, like Mexico, what's going on there? So I started focusing more of my campaigns for Mexico. And now I've got Google's uh, Spanish English translator all the time. I'm getting so many messages from people in Mexico and, wow. and I'm hearing time and time again, we like rock and roll. We like rock and roll is what I'm doing. My, my, how I'm branding myself is rock and roll reimagined. Because um, I'm taking the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, uh, Chuck Berry, Buddy Holly, Bruce Springsteen, The Who, and I'm repackaging it yeah. for the 2020s in a way that isn't really out there right now. And I should I should admit I'm also putting in Waylon Jennings and, and Willie Nelson, and, and Dwight Yoakam, Vince Gill. I have a huge countryside to me too, and I'm discovering during what's very interesting when I look at my analytics, I'm discovering that just as many 18 year olds listening to me as there are 45 year olds as there are 75 year olds. Yeah. And that is, in my opinion, that's what the music industry has lacked for so many years. Um, when I was a kid growing up, the top 40 was the top 40. Yes. And the top 40 would have, Oh, at any given time you have Dean Martin on there, Dolly Parton on there, the Beatles on there, uh, um, Engelbert Humperdinck, Aretha yeah. Franklin, genre and style music didn't matter. It's just whatever was a good song. And now we've got to the point where you, are you rap? Are you hip hop? Are yeah. you EDM? Are you country? Are you rock? Are you garage rock? Are you indie rock? Yeah. And on and on it goes. And we genrefied ourselves so much that, you know, you have people who are listening to one genre only. Right. And they're not realizing how much cool music is out there. When I first released my Christmas album, oddly enough, I got a lot of help from the rap and hip hop community. That's amazing. They embraced it. And it, it was great <laughs> for me too, because it changed my perspective. And, you know, I, I was a little bit all rap, hip hop. I don't listen to any of it. And it's not my favorite style, but sure. all of a sudden I'm, I'm had a much more appreciation of what was going on and what these people were doing. And I was so thankful for, you know, rap artists featuring me on the podcast and things like mm -hmm. this. I mean, and I, and they liked the fact that I was doing this Christmas vibe and they liked the fact that I was coming at it from an angle of who cares who you are, where you come from, your background. Christmas is about love, peace, understanding. That's it's right. cliche, but it's true. That's right. And, you know, the, the rap community, all the power to them. I, I'm super supportive of them now because they really embraced it and were some of the first people to get me radio airplay and podcast were rap and hip hop artists. So it's amazing. You know, go right? figure. So, but that's, and I think we need more of that. So yep. I think if, if the rock world can combine with the rap world and everybody else to put the country in there and everything else, that's what music is all about. A good song is a good song. A good song is a good song. I totally agree. I mean, my top albums of all time are like all over the place. Yeah. I mean, they're literally all over the place yeah. in different genres, just how it makes me feel. And you know. it's interesting, Darren, because this is the sort of the, the issue I'm having with the industry. It's quite funny. It, it's it, so experience and living it firsthand. When I actually go within the industry and I'm trying to get myself radio airplay and get write-ups and reviews and things mm -hmm. like that. And here's the, I've heard this scenario many times. I'll give you an example. When I'm pushing radio promotions, I'll contact a rock station. Oh, you're too retro rock for us. I'll contact mm -hmm. a retro rock station. Oh, you're too rock for us. You're too modern. Country <laughs> station, you're too rock. Another rock station, you're too country. A blues station, you're too country. Country station, you're too blues. On and on it goes because I'm sitting in the crossroads. 
And yet when I hit people directly on Facebook and Instagram, whether they're 18, 75, 45, 25, they don't give a crap about the genre. Yeah. A good song is a good song to them. That's right. They don't care. And so I don't know why the industry is so stuck on this. It has to be, you have to be this genre, that genre. I mean, why can't, I'd love to turn on a radio station that'll play Eminem next to the Beatles. And then That's suddenly right. you'll hear, uh, uh, you know, Aretha Franklin or Chuck Berry or yeah. why can't there be a station like that? <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, you have to like, they make you create that station yourself, yeah. basically. And some of it's, and what's really yeah. interesting is some of it is happening in the underground yeah. and internet radio. And which I'm hoping will encourage, you know, sort of come more to the mainstream. Yeah. There's some brilliant internet stations that are playing this huge plethora of music. You turn on, and you think, wow, those two artists back to back. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. So wonderful. Well, Rich, it's been a pleasure. Seriously. I'm, I'm glad we finally got to talk. Yes, so am I. And um, please tell everyone how they could listen to your music and connect with you. Thanks, Darren. Much appreciated. I, I love being on the show and talking with you. Um, Thank you. If, if you Google my name, Rich Chambers, I've been working my butt off to increase the algorithm. It'll <laughs> working come that up SEO, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Rich Chambers, just Google my name or Rich, uh, Rich Chambers Rock and Roll as my Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok tags. So, um, and then richchambers.com. You know, just if you remember, if you remember the name Rich Chambers and type it into any of your search engines or social media, I'm going to, my smiling face with my guitar will pop up somewhere. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Rich, I mean, it's, it's been a real pleasure and uh, I love learning about people's stories and yours no different. I knew it was going to be good. Huh? I thanks, knew it. I really, uh, I appreciate thanks for the that. opportunity to talk and talk of with course. you. It's been a lot of fun. Of course, man. All right, everyone. Rich Chambers. Thank you so much, Rich. Thanks, Darren.